great to be together again. We are Grace Community Church, a church family, multi-generational, multicultural, with arms wide open. And I know we're apart during this time, but I also want to highlight one of the most exciting things has been new relationships, new friendships. And maybe you're connecting with us for the first time around the sound or even around the nations, and we welcome you. Uh, we love you sincerely. We're here to serve you and walk with Jesus together. We're going through a series right now. We're in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3, and the series focused on Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he means in our lives, how he changes our story, how he changes our lives in the deepest way. I'm asked frequently, which Bible book should I start with? There are 66. They're all God's Word. But I encourage you, if you've never read through a book of the Bible before, join with us in Luke. And you can read a chapter a day. We're going to go through the entire Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters. Uh, you can go through it, share it with a friend, comments, talk about it, discussions. It could be a rich time at home spiritually uh, as we go through this virus together in the Gospel of Luke together as well. And then also, looking forward to this Thursday night, join us right here. If you're on Facebook, if you're on our website, 7 o'clock, we'll have some worship, time in the Word. We're going to pray together. This is a day that's set apart. We've never done it quite like this, where we set apart a day. And there'll be pastors in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. And we're going to seek God. We're crying out for His power and His presence. We know we need restoration. So it's a day set apart for the Lord. You might want to consider fasting from sunrise to sunset. Let's Push aside all distractions and let's seek the Lord together and ask for his healing as well. Awakening is what uh, we want God to do during this time. Let's pray right now. Father God, thank you. We praise you. We worship you. You are worthy of our worship and our praise. And we come to you with thankful hearts, God. We don't take it for granted that we're alive right now for our church family, for your word, uh, for the things you're teaching us during this time. We thank you. Jesus, we want to follow you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we have no one else that we could turn to and follow who is like you. So you have our attention. You have our affection, Jesus. We bring to you our devotion as well. We're not just here. We're not just gathered together to do something religious. We want to draw close to you, Jesus, follow you. And we ask that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit, that you'd change us from the inside out for your glory and our good. And we pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus is transforming us. Jesus is the one who does miracles in our lives, you will become like the one who you follow. That's true in life. And we want to say yes to King Jesus. We want to say yes to his mission. And he wants to change us to be more like him. He can work with anyone right where you are, and then he'll do such a deep work that we can become more like Jesus, and the fruit will be evident. The change will be powerful say, well, how does that process work? How does Jesus transform us? We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 3 because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he was doing then, he's also doing now. Let's look at the process of transformation and start in Luke chapter 3 in verse 4. Luke writes this, referring to Isaiah in the Old Testament. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, 
You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire." Now that quote from Isaiah is close to my heart because it was on my notebook in college at Dartmouth College, a voice crying in the wilderness. It was a theme of our school and it goes back to John the Baptist. It goes back to a forerunner who's pointing to the Savior and the hope of the world, the desire of the nations. And I came to know the Lord at college and this was on my notebooks. And so as I read it now, it reminds me of God's goodness to me and his rescue in my life. Maybe you can relate and God's rescued you in different situations and rescued you out of sins and when you felt hopeless. This is a passage celebrating the rescue of Jesus. Now it also highlights real repentance. And what is real repentance? It's so important to have clarity when we use the word repentance. And the picture that's given here, and this goes back to the ancient custom, when a king would travel and a king would go out on a trip, there would be a messenger sent before the king. And the messenger would go out into the roads and remove the debris to make sure that things were smooth on the road for the king. Everyone was familiar with that custom and John the Baptist came before Jesus as that forerunner preparing the way to make things smooth. And not so much in a literal sense that he was clearing roads, but more of a moral sense, a spiritual sense. And the Old Testament pointed to the prophet who would come before the Messiah. This is John the Baptist. He was preparing the way, preparing hearts, and his message was repent. The king's coming. And people were taking that in. And he referred to Isaiah chapter 40. And this is where you notice the grace. A voice in the wilderness. John was in the desolate area, crying out, preparing the way for the Lord. And all mankind would see God's salvation. There's the grace in the invitation. Because in that culture, there was a lot of people who were considered outsiders, outsiders looking in. Maybe you felt that way. When it comes to faith or God, you're kind of an outsider looking in and you're wondering, am I invited? And the declaration is everyone's invited. Tax collectors are invited. Sinners are invited. Crooked people are invited. And you know what? Gentiles are invited. People from all nations are invited. And this is good news. John the Baptist is declaring it through Isaiah the prophet as well. The same message, Jesus has come for everyone who needs a Savior. And on the outside looking in, it's good to know there's an invitation that's got your name on it. But then John also had a different invitation for those people who considered themselves on the inside. During that time, there was religious corruption, and the religious leaders had a lot of self-righteousness. John challenged him with the phrase, you brood of vipers. It's a phrase that Jesus will also use. You think about vipers, snakes, devious, venom deadly. You brood of vipers. He's calling them out. They're frauds. And God knows it. And that brood of vipers is to get their attention because everyone, you know, practically bows down to them and thinks so highly of them. And brood of vipers is a wake-up call to say, you need to repent. You religious folks who are on the inside need to repent. This is your wake-up call. It's your invitation. It's direct. It's truthful. You need to turn to God. 
And John the Baptist was inviting those on the outside, also challenging those insiders who were religious. And both groups needed to repent. And they had a false sense of complacency amongst religious leaders. They thought, well, because of our ethnicity, because of our heritage, I mean, we're in Abraham's line, we're part of this chosen group, and that was their excuse that rationalized their internal condition. And no, John the Baptist says, out of these stones, you know what? The stones could praise God. Out of these stones, God could raise up children of Abraham. In other words, you need to humble yourself. You who are religious need to humble yourself. That was John's message, and he was talking to frauds. I had an experience this week regarding a fraud. And someone uh, created an email account, and it was Pastor Bradley Jesse at gmail.com. That's not my email account. And then sent it out to our staff, our church family. And the note that arrived through this email that was not coming from me is, How are you doing? I need to ask you a favor. Email me as soon as possible. Blessings, Jesse. I mean, even threw in the religious blessings in there before the name. And this was a fraud. I started to hear from one person after another, do you need something? Did you just send me this email? And I'm thinking, that is not from me. And I wonder, from heaven's perspective, as these religious leaders who are supposed to represent God, thinking God knows this does not represent me. This is a fraud. This is a religious fraud. And there's hypocrisy here. This is not consistent. So I pray that that person, and I heard of another pastor this week that had the same experience with a fraud, right? We forgive fully, but I also pray that person would repent. And God's desire when we sin is that we would come to our senses, we would repent, we would return home and return to him. And that's what John's declaring here. Real repentance, real repentance is when the real you turns from real sin to the real Jesus, Real repentance is not being religious. Real repentance is not lip service and just using the right words. Real repentance is not just for five minutes. Real repentance doesn't try to hide behind a godly heritage or a godly past or say, because I'm from this nation, that's not real repentance. Real repentance isn't just disappointed because I was caught. Real repentance, not just, you know, dis disturbed because of the consequences. I've seen a lot of people very upset about the consequences and not repent. That's not real repentance, to not like the consequences. Real repentance is when the real you turns from real sin and turns to the real Jesus and God's grace abounds. There's no sin in your life that God won't forgive, can't forgive. His grace is in abundance, but we need to repent. In Zechariah, in the Old Testament, explained real repentance. And look at Zechariah chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Repentance is about a relationship. Repentance is about returning home. Repentance is about your heart. And there was a generation that heard the invitation but wouldn't repent. I think about the generation that just circled in the wilderness as well. Do you know when it comes to repentance, generations make decisions? 
Generations decide what is going to be their legacy when it comes to faith. But also there's individual repentance and there's decision points. I believe this is a key time right now for our nation. I believe this is a crossroads for many people in their lives right now. Will I repent? Will I bend the knee? Will I turn to God? Will I trust him fully? Will I follow Jesus? Am I coming back with all my heart? Those decisions right now, I'm telling you, in families, those decisions are being made. Across our country, people are making their decisions. And I believe decisions made now will affect even future generations. God's gracious invitation is to come and repent and receive his grace. God is kind and he also knows the truth. And when we try to pretend like, oh, there's no sin, I don't need to have any confession, I don't need to have any transformation. There's no repentance needed here. You know what happens? We get stuck. We get stuck in our faith, and there's a distance with God. The quality of the relationship suffers. When we repent, there's healing, there's restoration. And here's a funny meme that's been going around. Lots of clever memes. Uh, this one stood out to me. And you might think about in your home, cleaning the house with everyone home is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. You get the visual right there. I don't know how it is in your house. You know, our gas bill couldn't be lower. We're not putting gas in our car. But the food bill is climbing up and it's like everyone's favorite hobby right now. It's cooking and eating. And I'm not complaining because I enjoy eating. But as that climbs up, it's like you try to clean up. There's more dishes. There's more crumbs. Who just did this? When everyone's at home and everyone's eating, if you live with other people, you know trying to clean that up's a challenge. Well, then you come to the picture of toothpaste in Oreos, right? Who's ever done that before? Tried to brush your teeth while eating Oreos. Not recommended. Why? Opposite forces. Not, nothing against Oreos. I know close uh, to a lot of hearts in our church are people who are passionate about their Oreos. But for the sake of this illustration, let's just consider it sin. It's hard to brush your teeth and then be jamming more sin in there and brushing your teeth and jamming more sin. You're like, something's got to give. Something's not working. I tell you, there's a tension because God is holy. And the Bible says, holy, 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 three times, thrice for emphasis to say he's the holy one. And we just sang that, holy, holy, holy. And as we sing that, we're also aware that every single day of my life, I sin. God is so perfect, so pure. In every single day, I fall short. Now, here's an interesting piece theologically. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are holy. You receive his righteousness for eternity. So in one sense, positionally, of course, you are in his family, you are forgiven, you are secure, you are holy. But then there's also an aspect of holiness that's a decision. We choose holiness every day. And the Bible says no one sees God without holiness. And holiness, repentance, going together. We need to honor God's holiness. We need to choose holiness and that could be breaking a sin pattern that's been there for a long time in your life. Maybe it's the words you speak, the things you believe that are lies, the attitude you have, how you view God, a shattering of sin, and a yes to God's holiness. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Why would we repent? Because God is so kind. And I believe one of the things that God is doing, just one, 
There's so many things happening on so many levels right now and so many changes, but don't miss this. God is purifying people. God is purifying people. Maybe you've been picking up on that in the simplicity and even some of the silence at home. You've been hearing God's still small voice, the Holy Spirit. Conviction is good. Guilt and accusation, that's not coming from God. But a healthy conviction to make us more like Jesus, to build up our character, to make us more like Christ, that's good. And I'll tell you, in my family, there's six of us and the dog, uh, six of us together. You know, during a typical week, we might have some things that are sin in the house and they're here, but when you're together 24-7, that sin has a way of just coming right here. But you know it's been so good, it's led to some conversations. It's led to some change. I think it's led to some repentance and restoration as well. There's depth in our relationship because we're spending so much time together. I'm enjoying it too, enjoying it immensely. But spending some extra time listening to God as well, he brings conviction. And I thought it would be helpful, as John the Baptist lists so many specific areas to repent, I thought it would be helpful. I was thinking back on sins people have been confessing, you know, including myself. And thinking about these sins, I listed them. And just let God search your heart as I share these. Repenting from a bad attitude, from hurting other people with words, from having a temper that was too much out of control, for knowing the Bible and not passing it on to other people, for trying to over-control people and situations, for saying yes in embracing worrying and fears, for not doing what you know God wants you to do, procrastination, spending so much time on stuff that doesn't matter at all, not praying much, ignoring people and real needs, not tackling injustice, pornography, unrealistic expectations on other people and having a critical spirit, self-righteous, judging other people, being silent about your story and the good news of Jesus Christ, neglecting important relationships, not having spiritual leadership and spiritual health in the home, denial, can't even, some people can't even think of a sin in their lives, a me-first attitude and perspective, comparing and envying other people. You know, during this time, uh, it's a stretch for all of us. We're all grieving in many ways. We're challenged. There's additional stress. All this is happening. But I'll tell you one thing that could be very positive in this purification, and it's a brokenness. And with that word brokenness, I'm not talking about shame. I'm not talking about feeling worthless or hopeless. That's not from God. Worthless and hopeless is not from God. But what is good about brokenness is when we bend the knee, when we drop the idols, when we're teachable, when we're surrendered, when we admit to God how much we need him and we receive his grace and that brokenness right there, I'm telling you, is a turning point in the spiritual life and a walk with God. That brokenness is essential. That brokenness is the turning point where we follow the Lord and we honor of the Lord and the trajectory of our life changes. That brokenness is so good. It's so good when we realize our sin. We get disgusted with sin. We turn to God, receive his grace, and go in a new direction. That's the purification and the repentance that bears fruit. I want to highlight real repentance bears fruit. John the Baptist points it out. Look at Luke chapter 3 and verse 10. Real repentance bears fruit. What should we do then, the crowd asked. 
John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And you can just hear the stories now, can't you? The transformation, the stories that people would say, I used to keep all the food to myself and I repented. And now I share food with people who don't have food. I used to be selfish. I used to hoard. I had so many clothes. I didn't even care about people who were homeless and didn't have clothes. Now I bring them clothes. That's the story. The tax collectors would share their stories. You know what? I used to rip people off. I used to take advantage of people. I used to be so sly. I had so many secret sins. But you know what? I repented. And since then, here's the healing. I live a life of integrity, of fairness, and kindness. And the soldiers would chime in and say, oh, you should hear our story because we were unethical. And, and you know what? Always grumbling, always complaining. And then we repented. And now we have contentment. We had true contentment. We have peace for the first time. And we're kind to other people. You wouldn't even recognize us. It's before and after this true repentance. It's real repentance. And you can hear the stories that are coming out from this chapter, from these baptisms. Sin is having legitimate needs and trying to meet them in illegitimate ways. Sin is when you have legitimate needs and try to meet them in illegitimate ways, rebellious ways against God, instead of trusting Jesus and his provision. Jesus is our peace. We want to honor God, and God will do remarkable things with anyone's life who truly repents, broken, teachable, and walks with God, walks with God. The newness of life. You know, we take our dog for walks right now. Our dog, I think, is thrilled with the whole shelter in place. All kinds of attention. Extra food coming from the table, I think, during meals. Walks. I mean, it's good living for our dog. This is what we've been trying to teach our dog, who's still two, how to walk with us. And when you think of a dog's sin, there's two major categories, right? Bark when you shouldn't be barking and chased after things that you shouldn't be chasing. I mean, we're trying to walk with our dog, and the dog will just, Bella will just start barking, you know, at other dogs, like, I'm in charge, I'm loud, I'm here, I, my will. And it's like, Bella, 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 you don't need to bark. Some people bark in relationships, and they don't need to be barking. Getting into conflict, you don't need to be getting into conflict. With other people, pride, quarreling, resentment, bark when you're not supposed to be barking. And then there's chasing things you shouldn't chase. It's easy every day to chase after, you know, the bling, the thing that shines. Bella wants to chase after every single bunny. Let me chase, let me chase, let me chase. Bella, you don't need to be chasing that bunny. Bella, no, you don't need to run down that hill. You don't need to run in the mud. You don't need that. Chasing after things you shouldn't be chasing. And Bella wants to run ahead. And then Bella wants to fall behind. It's like, no, Bella, walk with us. And God helps us. Jesus transforms us. So we're not barking when we shouldn't be barking. We're not chasing the stuff we shouldn't be chasing. We're not trying to run ahead of Jesus. We're not trying to stick way back there and give up and quit. We are walking with the Lord. Repentance leads to fruit. And as people turn to God, they were baptized. Baptism is beautiful, powerful. Every single person, 
I have ever baptized or seen baptized had so much joy. And John has the privilege of baptizing people. Now we're in a stretch right now with our church family. It's really difficult to baptize. We're trying to think creatively, what do we do? I saw this on social media and you know what? We need to consider this option right here, social distancing baptistry. Uh, you might have someone that you really want to baptize that way. Uh, social distancing, I don't know. We probably won't do it, but then again, if this goes on for a lot of months, we're going to have to come up with something, so we'll figure it out. Baptisms, powerful. People are coming all over the place to John the Baptist to get baptized because they're returning to God. Jesus is coming, they're turning to God and rediscovering their first love. You know, repentance is throughout the entire Bible, and in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, look at this picture, repentance. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Return to your first love. Is Jesus your first love? Are you in love with Jesus, again, with that affection, attention, devotion? Or is there another or another thing that has come in to that place in your life, in your love, your passion, your first love? Repentance is to return. And then start to do those things. In marriage, what do you do when, when the light, when the fire is faded? You start to do those things that you did at first, right? Starting in the marriage, when you're wooing each other, and you're getting to know each other, and you're listening, and you're valuing each other, and you're going out on dates, you start to do those things, and the, the flame comes back, and you walk with God. You start to pray. You start to get in the Bible. You start to worship. You confess your sins. You start to serve God. Use your gifts. You start to tell people your story, and you know what? The fire comes back. You lead people to Jesus. The fire grows. There's fruit with repentance. Jim Elliott was one of five missionaries who were killed in Ecuador. And this was decades ago. Uh, one of the families, the McCulley's, are here, Grace Community Church, in our family. And uh, the, the kids lost dad, lost dad. Jim Elliott has this quote, I seek not a long life, but a full one, like you, Lord Jesus. What a prayer. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. And then he prays, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. Jim Elliott said, let me not to be passive like a milepost on a road, but more like a fork in the road where people have to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? John the Baptist was that fork in the road. People had to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or am I not going to follow Jesus? And there was repentance and there was fruit. Could you imagine with me for a minute, just imagine if repentance started to happen around our nation. Imagine if people who followed Jesus started to repent and just say, I have not been loving my neighbor. I've been preoccupied, selfish, distracted. I have not been loving God with all my heart, strength, soul, and mind. I have not been living that way. Repentance and the fruit that would come. Imagine if in the political realms, local leaders, state leaders, national leaders, Congress, right, uh, president, imagine if they just started to repent. 
But we've said things, we've done things, this tone, these words, this was inaccurate, uh, this posture. Imagine if they just started to repent, how powerful that would be. Imagine if people would repent and say, I'm done, no more human trafficking. I'm, I'm out, I'm done, it's so wrong. If people from addictions just broke free in Jesus' name. If people apologized to family members that they had wronged. If people let go of resentment and unforgiveness. Just widespread repentance. Why would we do that? Because here's the fruit. Here's the reason. It would, lead to, uh, it would lead to healing, restoration, freedom would come in Jesus' name. There's forgiveness and faithfulness would come. Faithfulness. Freedom, forgiveness. Say that right where you're, you're sitting or standing right now. Faithfulness, freedom, forgiveness. Fruit breaks out when there's true, real repentance. It's true then. It's true now. Let me ask you, who's the John the Baptist in your life? Are you teachable? We all need a John the Baptist who brings truth in love to lead us back to God. You know, there's a lot of famous leaders during that time, Herod, Pilate, Caiaphas, a lot of well-known leaders. But you know what? There was one who was out in the wilderness, out in the desolate area. And you know what? With courage, he was serving. With courage, he was faithful. And at the end of our days, all that matters is being faithful to God. And the fruit that came out of one life, serving, courageous, faithful, out in the wilderness, anyone who will repent, fruit will come. Real repentance leads to fruit and fire. Say that with me. Real repentance leads to fruit and fire. And here's the fire part. Look at verse 15. Still in Luke chapter 3, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Uh, ready to receive. Receive from the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and receive fire as well. People asked John, are you Jesus? He said, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. He's coming. He'll baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And you know what John's motto was in life? Jesus would become greater and I would become less. Jesus would become greater and I would become less. John said it and he lived it and good news he brought to the people. And, you know, during this time, uh, I encourage you to draw close to Jesus, to seek Jesus. I know we're way out of our rhythms and our routines and our normals and we don't gather here at church. But I want to tell you, you can meet with Jesus in the same way that when we gathered here at church. And sometimes in a prosperous country, we might even lean too much on some routines, some rituals, some buildings. And I'll tell you where the body of Christ is persecuted and where the body of Christ sometimes, you know, there's poverty, plagues. Right now we have a pandemic. You know what is a necessity 
is to learn how to draw close to Jesus, listen to him, receive the Holy Spirit, be full of the Holy Spirit, be full of the fire of God, the passion of God, the zeal of God. That's not dependent on a building and a program. That's something that we can learn to do during this time. And we can receive, just like John is proclaiming, the same today. Let's learn how to do that at home. Let's have our homes be spiritually vibrant and may refreshing come in. In Acts chapter 3, that fire spread. In verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And this is what happened. Some people, ordinary people, men, women, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you know what happened? They were living for Jesus and it's contagious and more would repent. More would turn to Jesus and thousands more and thousands more. You just don't know where God will take you and will take it when you truly repent. Times of refreshing, they come. We have international partners around the world, part of our Grace Community Church family, and two of them shared recently. One is Paul in Southeast Asia. And as they're discipling this couple, this couple that has a church in their home has now planted seven more churches. Church planting is awesome. It's incredible, the multiplication. In Southeast Asia, now they've planted seven more churches out of this one house church. We need to have a heart and a vision for multiplication, that you would raise up leaders, build up leaders, go deep in the word, deep in the faith, and then send them out in the multiplication that ensues. That's not just for Southeast Asia, that's for America. And then Dan shared this from Slovenia. And that's a country where there's not many Christians, and there's a fortune teller that came to Christ. That's very rare. A fortune teller and out of darkness to light. Now that fortune teller has led 22 people to Jesus. Because when God saves you, it's not just for you. It's so you spread that salvation to other people. That person, that fortune teller, now following Jesus, led 22 people to Jesus and has a church uh, in the home. A church in the home. And uh, we can have church in our homes as well. So we learn so much from what God's doing uh, overseas as well. The fire grows. The fire spreads. The kingdom of God every single day expanding. Lives are being changed. Jesus is transforming. And you hear that and you get to the end of this section and there's two more verses, 19 and 20, kind of a twist at the end that maybe you wouldn't expect because you think faithfulness, freedom, like, wow, I bet it just ends incredibly. This is how it ends. Verse 19, when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked up John in prison. Here's John, faithful servant. John's courageous. There's somebody sleeping with his brother's wife. John's going to speak truth. And you know what? Everyone else would stay silent because this is Herod. Herod's a big deal. John's going to decide to honor God. There's something terrible here because John's thrown into, there's persecution, there's injustice. John's thrown into prison. But there's also something outstanding here. John's not worried about what people think of him and who's going to score him in what ways. John is interested in being faithful, speaking truth with courage, calling people to repent, calling people to turn to the Lord. And he brings that. He brings that. You know, at the end of John's life, because we're going to move on from John the Baptist next week, but you think about John the Baptist, and it says that he was, God used him to turn the hearts of the people back to God and turn the parents to the children and the children to the parents to turn those hearts. And I think those two are connected. When we return to God, I believe our hearts are also going to turn to the children. 
And as I was thinking about children in our world today, I was looking at some numbers. There's 50 million, approximately 50 million abortions every year around the world. So you think about being a child today, starting in the womb, in that reality of 50 million, like 200,000 have died from the coronavirus, 50 million kids every year. And then you think about all the kids, millions of kids that have no food right now. That as we return to God, we turn to the kids, have no clean water right now. We would care for the kids. I think of all the orphans around the world that have no home and no parents. As our hearts return to God, our hearts are going to turn to the kids. I think of the foster care system and caring for these kids. Uh, When I think about the kids right now who are abused and the kids who don't have a safe home, they're sheltered at home right now, but they're not in a safe home. Our hearts would turn to the kids. Our prayers would turn to the kids. And you think about all the kids right now who are in homes where there's no spiritual foundation. They're not learning about God and following Jesus and the love of Jesus and having that identity in God's love. So many without that in our hearts would turn to the kids and the grandkids. I believe John the Baptist's message that we return to God and our hearts return to the, to the kids is not just for then, it's for today as well. How is Jesus transforming you? Real repentance leads to fruit and it leads to fire. Let's go deep with the Lord, deep repentance, fruit and fire for the glory of Jesus and for our good and for the good of the children. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that you are a God who cares. You are a God who hears our prayers. You are mighty. You are gracious. You are holy. You forgive sin, and you're so merciful to us. Father, together we repent. We turn from our sin, God. We honor you. We go honest, authentic, no frauds, no games, not just religion, God, during this next song, your amazing grace, I pray we would turn from our sin right now together. Turn from our sin. Receive your grace. Lord, thank you for brokenness that reminds us how much we need you. Thank you, God, for changing our hearts so that we see sin for what it is, how disgusting it truly is, how destructive it truly is, and we return to you, Jesus. Right now, God, we worship you in spirit and in truth, together, in our homes, in our hearts, around the nations. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for inviting us in. We worship you, holy, holy, holy. God, thank you for your amazing grace. We pray in your name, amen.